Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday, Co-Sells Concepts Friday edition of the mighty RTFP presented by you guys, at least those of you that go out of your way to be winners. I want winners. I want people that want to win. I want people like Matt Toth. Matt Toth, I think it was maybe Tuesday's Andrew Brandt episode. He liked it on Instagram. That easy, Matt. It was that easy. Send me an email, ross at rosstucker.com. Literally, all you did was like a post about the show. I think it was at Ross Tucker Pod, not at Ross Tucker NFL on Instagram. And boom, you're a winner. Hit me up. You want to sign picture? Let me know. You want to sign card? Let me know. Everybody else who's won over the last couple of weeks, I sent them out this week. I got caught up this week. So congratulations, Matt. Let me know what you want. As for the sponsor confirmation email winner, we want to announce somebody that takes advantage of the DraftKings Sportsbook app and the Code Ross and BetQL and wants to do the Tux takes and read them to me and I answer them on the show, video and audio, on YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or ask me the question like live on the show. At To my knowledge, nobody entered. We've got several people entering to try to get in the – to be one of the last four spots – for the Fantasy Feast Redraft League with me and Joe Dolan. But I don't think anyone entered this week and said, I want to be on the show. I want to come on the show, see you, talk to you, ask you a question, or do the Tux takes instead of Bry. So, I don't know. I guess it's not that exciting. Uh, Full disclosure, it was Brian's idea. It was Brian's idea. That is called throwing your supporting cast directly under the bus. If, in fact, it's the case that – you guys aren't interested in coming on the show. That's fine. That's your prerogative. Maybe you just want to listen and watch the GOAT, the civilian GOAT, the greatest football mind who's never coached in the NFL, the one and only Greg Cosell. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Greg, so excited about today's show because – 
there have been a lot of coordinator changes in the NFL. And I feel like we talk about head coach changes a lot, but we don't really talk about coordinator changes and what they mean. So I want to get into that with you momentarily. But before we do, you know, you're not just the football savant, the next and O's guy. You also, you know, you've been with NFL Films for over 40 years. And two guys, it looks like, are going to get their due this year when it comes to the Hall of Fame, as the Seniors Committee has nominated Tom Flores, longtime Raiders head coach, as the Senior Committee lone coaching candidate, and Drew Pearson as the Seniors Committee lone veteran candidate player. So let's start with Tom Flores. What do you remember about him you know, why is he getting this nomination from the selection committee in your mind? Well, you know, it's always interesting. And you know this, Ross, that when people talk about coaches, they always talk about winning Super Bowls. You look back to just what happened this past season, and everybody said that, hey, if Andy Reid wins a Super Bowl, he's an automatic Hall of Famer. Of course, now he won a Super Bowl. So Tom Flores won two Super Bowls. And, you know, again, you can always look at records and those kinds of things, but that's going to be the way people look at head coaches winning Super Bowls. And Tom Flores won two. And you talk to any coach and you played in the league and you know how it is. They, they worry about just winning every Sunday. So you know how hard it is just to get to and win a Super Bowl. So I think Tom Flores is very, very deserving given what he accomplished. Then we get to Drew Pearson. And it's interesting. You know, it's kind of crazy, Greg. I love watching – the wide receivers of the 70s. You know, I was born in 79, so I only see them on NFL films looking at the Super Bowl or the highlight videos. I mean, you probably cut them. You probably put these things together. I don't know. But, you know, I think of Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. I think of right. Branch and Fred Bolitnikoff. And you see some of the highlights of Drew Pearson. Really impressed. To think he's on the all-decade team for the 70s. Really, really impressive. What can you tell us about, I guess, the original member of the 88 club? Yeah, uh, well, you you were born in 79, Ross. That's the year I started at NFL Films. Think about that. Um, but Drew Pearson was a great receiver, and he played in a different era of football. He played in an era of football where no one caught 90, 100, 110 balls. And he played in an era where getting 1,000 yards really was a big-time accomplishment. He did that twice in his career. Um, he rarely missed a game in his career. Uh, he played as his career progressed. He had another great receiver playing alongside of him in Tony the Thrill Hill, who I'm sure you certainly know the name. Um, but Drew Pearson was a great receiver on really good teams. Uh, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, he led the NFL in receiving yards one year. And it was not with 1,000 yards. It was less. So – you have to place receivers in their era. It's like John Stallworth, who got into the uh, Hall of Fame. Later in his career, as the NFL started expanding the passing game, he did get 1,000 yards. But earlier in his career, played with Swan, he was not getting 1,000 yards, but he was a great receiver. And I think Drew Pearson is an example of a guy who's a great receiver. And if you put his numbers in today's context, it doesn't seem like anything special. But you can't do that. You have to put them in the context of the era in which he played. 
Yeah, I, I think that's well said, Greg. All right, let's get into some of these coaches because there's a lot of new play callers, a lot of new coordinators out there. And I think we have to start. And by the way, this I can't remember who it was, but this was a co-sales concept request by <laughs> one of our listeners. I We got a couple of listeners that are high school coaches, college coaches. So they're really into the X and O's and they're really into talking about coaches. So they wanted to get your thoughts on the new coordinators in new places, what they're going to run, how they're different. I think we need to start with Jason Garrett. Evidently, Greg, if you didn't hear, he's the worst football coach of all time because (laughs) the Cowboys didn't win the Super Bowl the last four years. What does he bring? Like, What's his offense? What's he bringing to the New York Giants with Daniel Jones, Saquon, and that receiving court? Yeah, and I think probably if you were to look at Jason Garrett and, and stylistically what his background is, he's probably more along the lines of sort of that Don Coriel offense than he might be with a West Coast type offense. Uh, but I think with, with Jason Garrett, you have to look more at Daniel Jones because I, I like Daniel Jones a lot. And I think that Daniel Jones can play pretty much in any offense. He just has to learn it. And, and from what I understand, he's a quick learner. But I think people forget because Jason Garrett was a head coach, and obviously everybody just figured the Cowboys going to be in the Super Bowl every year. He's done a good job as an offensive coach in this league. Now, it's always easy to rip coaches, and I don't get into that game, and I don't do that. But I think that Jason Garrett, as an offensive coordinator and as a quarterback coach, even though I, I don't think he's technically the quarterback coach, but as an offensive coordinator – I think he'll do a very good job with Daniel Jones. And I would expect Daniel Jones to have a good season. You know what's interesting about it? Two things on that. Number one, knowing their personalities, I feel like Garrett and Daniel Jones will be a great fit. I now, do I too. You know this, Greg, but Daniel Jones committed to Princeton. I mean, Dan- and that's where Jason played. My alma yeah. mater. Daniel Jones was going to Princeton until like right before signing day. I don't know what happened, but Duke offered him a scholarship and he switched from Princeton. But he was going to go to Princeton. He's that type of kid. So I picture him and Jason getting along. But the point I make about Jason Garrett, you know, before he was head coach, he was thought of as like the offensive wizard guru. Remember 2007 when the Cowboys were the number one seed with T.O. and Witten and, and they were so good offensively with Romo. He was thought of as like the young Sean McVay, you yes. know, bright like that's who Jason Garrett was. No, you're right. And and I think personally that he he'll be a good offensive coordinator. And you know, you're dealing with two guys who I think their personalities will mesh. I think the way they approach the game will mesh. They're thoughtful. Um Jason Garrett is not a yeller. Um I think that'll work really well. And, and don't forget Daniel Jones has the background of being coached by David Cutcliffe, who's very much the same way and is very uh, detail and technique driven. So Daniel Jones has that in his background. So I think this will be a very good mix. Then you're just getting into the the play design, the scheme, the concepts, and a lot of teams run the same things. It's just a matter of how you run them and when you run them in games. All right. So the next guy I want to get into is in Dallas. And I won't get into Kellen Moore. We've talked about him. He's still calling the plays there. Right. But defensively, Mike Nolan, they have guys now like Alden Smith. They lost Gerald McCoy. 
How will Mike Nolan's defense look differently than Rod Marinelli's did? Well, at his core, I think Mike Nolan likes to pressure a little more than Rod Marinelli. Um, whether he does that, that remains to be seen. I think Alden Smith is a big wild card because he's a really, really good pass rusher. He hasn't played for so long, but he could have been a dominant, dominant player and was for a couple of years. Um, obviously, losing McCoy is a factor because it's a depth issue as well, and he's, he's sort of your classic three-technique tackle. Um, so the question to me, and in this pandemic offseason, we don't know the answer, is will Mike Nolan be a little more aggressive and creative with pressure concepts, which Marinelli was usually not. You know, Obviously, the Cowboys pressured, uh, and, and, and I think the, they played a little more man coverage um, the last couple of years, but I think Mike Nolan would like to do that. Again, he's got to get to know his personnel, and you don't get to know them virtually get to know them on the field. So, you know, we'll see. It may be a case, Ross, and you know this, if defensive coordinators feel they can pressure with four, you know what, they'll pressure with four because they'll want seven in coverage because it's a numbers game. So let's get – Think of weight. Uh, yeah. So let's let's get to Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. I guess there's still a little bit up in the air whether it'll be Kevin or Alex Van Pelt calling the plays, but let's assume – that it is Kevin Stefanski's offense. You know, Baker Mayfield really took a step back last year, year two. What is Stefanski's offense? How will he use Mayfield? And do you think it's a good fit for Mayfield's skills? I think it's a great fit. And I think what you'll see with Stefanski is a ton of play action, uh, and they have two really good backs. And keep one thing in mind. In Minnesota last year, there were numerous snaps in which Dalvin Cook and Amir Abdullah were on the field at the same time. Numerous snaps. It wasn't an aberration. So I'm very anxious to see how many snaps Nick Chubb and Hunt, Kareem Hunt, play together. I think that's something that will be part of this offense. And that will put a lot of pressure on defenses, both from a personnel standpoint and a matchup standpoint. I think you're going to see the run game as the starting point. I think that fits really well with Mayfield. Mayfield is a twitchy kid with quick feet, can set up. What the play-action pass game does, as you know, Ross, it's a lot of either-or reads. It simplifies things. It defines things for the quarterback. I think this is a really good fit for the personnel and for the quarterback. Greg, first person I've heard talk about two running backs on the field at the same time. Got to be honest with you, I didn't know the Vikings did that last year. And I haven't heard anybody else talk about that in terms of the Cleveland Browns. You really don't see that very often. In the, I no, mean, you don't, you don't see today, They would have the old pro-style formation, you know, two-back split like that. You never see that anymore. No, well, they and they would do a lot with that because Abdullah was kind of a movable chess piece. And I think Kareem Hunt's the same kind of player because he's a very good receiver. You know, I spent this summer, uh, because I was home, as most of us were, just watching a ton of NFL tape. And I watched a ton of, of Vikings offense because I knew that Stefanski in Cleveland would be a big talking point. And as I'm watching, you know, 350 plays, I'm seeing Abdullah and, and Cook on the field numerous times. And it just gave me pause and made me think, hey, when you have two really good backs at Hunt and Chubb, I can easily see Stefanski putting them on the field together. Let's talk Pat Shermer in Denver. Yeah. You know, he was the head coach the last few years of the Giants. 
I think people have some idea about, you know, what he likes to do offensively, but a refresher course for Broncos fans and how he fits in with Drew Locke and K.J. Hamler, who got off to a fast start, but evidently now he hurt his hamstring, will be out for a couple of weeks. How does how does Shermer's offense fit with some of those dynamic weapons they now have in Denver? Well, well, Pat's background is probably a little more West Coast because he, he has the Eagles background. Um, uh, but I think he'll mix and match because of the quarterback. Ultimately, you have to play to your quarterback. And not that Drew Locke can, can't run um, a rhythm West Coast offense, but Drew Locke is a strong-armed quarterback. He's a big kid. And let's assume health of all the receivers, and, you know, how to get back. They've really got an interesting receiving core. They've got a very defined receiving core. They've got Sutton, Cortland Sutton, who's your big X, the single receiver to the boundary. They have Jerry Judy, who's going to be the Z, the movement Z. And Judy is... You're hearing rave reviews. People who've been in the league in Denver say that they haven't seen a route runner like him, which, of course, his college tape showed. He was easily the best route runner uh, coming out of college football a year ago. And then Hamler is, is, when healthy, he's your perfect slot. And, and Melvin Gordon is a very good receiver out of the backfield. And they've got Noah Fant, who's an explosive vertical tight end. So they have every dimension you would want in your pass game. Uh, and I think there's a lot of toys. There's a lot of tools in the toolbox here. And I'm very anxious to see how Pat kind of deals with it because they could be explosive as well as sustaining. They have explosive elements. There's a bunch of other ones we can get to. I want to make sure for sure that we get to Chan Gailey in Miami. I, I guess I was a little surprised that Brian Flores made the move he did after one year. I thought considering yeah. what they had that, Fitzpatrick, you know, I, I watched him light up the Eagles and some other games, but they made a change. Chan Gailey is there. You know, Chan's got a unique offense, I feel like, Greg. What what does he bring, and what do you think he'll do with sounds like first Fitz and then later Tua? Yeah, you know, it's funny, I, I, and I'm just being honest. I've never felt like I had a great handle on Chan. I feel like he does a lot of things, <laughs> you know, and a lot of things based on personnel. Um so I don't have a great handle. I think that ultimately Tua will be the guy. And then you have to fit your your what you do to Tua because Tua is a rhythm player. He's got a really quick drop. He's twitchy. Um, he plants that back foot. He gets the ball out. He's a rhythmic player. Um, so to me, eventually, you're going to have to play to what Tua does really well. But I've always felt that Chan had a lot of versatility to him and a lot of different looks. Um, then it comes down to how well Tua assimilates all that, because obviously the quarterback has to understand all the things offensively at, at the same time getting a feel for defenses. But but I'm being honest, Chan, I always felt was was a little difficult for me to truly get a handle on. I never felt like I could say, oh, this is what Chan Gailey does. I know that for sure. You know, just hearing you say that, Greg, I would feel like that's a great trait in an offensive coordinator in the sense that if you're saying that with as much tape as you watch, then on some level, defensive coordinators, I mean, I'm sure you could argue, well, if he does that much stuff, then is he really that great in any one area? Does he try to do too much stuff, blah, blah, blah. But on some level, there's got to be defensive coordinators. And maybe that's why Brian Flores hired him, because he was a defensive backer. I've been like, you know what? I never had a good handle on what Chan was doing when I was coordinating against him. And don't forget, you know, Chan was in Buffalo for those years with Fitzpatrick, correct? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't know if Flores was in New England at the time. I can't remember. But certainly Flores has a relationship with Bill Belichick. And maybe that played into it. I, you could well be right. We don't know that. But you could well be right. But I think Chan can be very creative. He can be multi-formational, multi-dimensional in his approach. Um, but ultimately, you have to play to your quarterback. He is the man. His name is Greg Cosell. You can and should follow him on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. You can, of course, watch this episode and the social media clips. We'll post them on at Ross Tucker Pod, at Ross Tucker NFL, on Twitter, Instagram, the whole deal, and YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Thank you, Greg. Bye, Ross. Appreciate it. Thanks. Man, that's awesome. Absolutely love Greg Cosell. Love DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Love it especially right now when they're given all kinds of awesome deals. I mean, if you are in PA, New Jersey, you got to get in on these. You have to. Free live bet in the NBA. So you're watching NBA playoffs, and you get a free live bet every day of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Any day you place $20 or more in NBA bets, get a $10 free live bet. Think about the math. Think about what Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast would say about that. Every day. Just do a $20 bet and then get an additional 50% for free with a $10 free live bet. Are you kidding me? You also get 10% of your bets back in free bet value when betting on MLB this weekend. We also know about the NHL deal. It's awesome. And if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, don't forget about the DraftKings Fantasy app. They're offering millions of dollars in total prizes every day this week. And my code works on both, Fantasy app or the Sportsbook app. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Think about that. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Tuck's Takes. Good morning, Ross. So you talked about it with Greg, but let's get your thoughts on former Raiders head coach Tom Flores and Cowboys wide receiver Drew Pearson being finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame recommended by the Veterans Committee. Both really interesting. I think anytime a guy gets to the veterans committee or the seniors committee like the specialty committee bry it's immediately really interesting to me because there was a long time where they couldn't get in there was a long time where people did not think they were worthy of it you know pearson if you're on the all decade team it certainly seems like you should be in really almost any decade you think about it it's one of two receivers and a bunch of other receivers are already in uh, so that's that's t- I mean he's on a good team he played well that's telling to me and then for Tom Flores you know there are arguments against him you know there are arguments you look at his overall record and 
but he did win two Super Bowls. So that always, Flores is sort of that argument, what's more important? Consistent success, sustained success, or winning the whole darn thing multiple times? And I feel like we live in more of a winning the whole darn thing multiple times society, more so now than I think back, you know, when Flores was first up for this. Tucks takes. Cowboys D-tackle Gerald McCoy was waived with a quad injury and that did have an injury waiver. Please explain. Right. So I was almost going to sign a waiver my last year in the NFL, Bri, with the Atlanta Falcons for my back. And what it is, is it's a mechanism to mitigate risk for the organization for someone that has a serious pre-existing condition. So for me, I had a back surgery at multiple levels, and the Falcons were concerned about that. They did not want to have to pay me if I got if I hurt my back again, because that's like, well, wait a minute, you you came to us with a with a hurt back. That's what the Cowboys did with Gerald McCoy. It's very very smart. It's very good business. Now the flip side is they gave him a three million dollar signing bonus for a guy who's quad was concerning enough that they had him do a waiver on it so that's that you know you can go both ways on that I was just signing for the minimum with the minimum signing bonus the one thing I will say though that I haven't heard other people report that's significant they don't pay for his rehab they don't pay for anything you know when you sign a waiver now maybe his his is written different but when you waive a body part you can't get workman's comp for it They're not responsible to pay for your surgery. They're not responsible to pay for your rehab or rehab you. I mean, that can be significant expenses if you, you know, he won't get the credited season for it. I mean, I've had many people say to me, don't sign a waiver. Don't they didn't want me to sign the waiver in Atlanta. Turns out Atlanta failed me on my physical, but a lot of people mentioned that part of it. If he was so high risk, then why did they give him a $3 million signing bonus? I don't think that they thought he was that high risk. I think that they just didn't want to have to pay him anymore if you heard his quad, which ended up happening. All right. Tuck takes. Two LSU women say that former Washington running back Darius Geis had raped them back in 2016. Man, I mean, a lot of different ways I could go here. Number one, doesn't sound real good for LSU. That was when Geis was a freshman. He ended up playing three years for him. Number two, there were so many mysteries and whispers as to why Darius Geis fell in the draft. I guess that was the 2018 draft. Nobody really knew why. Nobody ever would say why. Now we know. Pretty clearly, some teams, or maybe all the teams, found out about these allegations, and that's why he dropped. I guess you could say something about what that says about the Washington culture, that they drafted him where they did in the second round. But now we at least know why he fell as much as he did. There's always a reason, always. And that's the reason for Darius. And look, another red flag, Bri, that comes true. Tuck takes. Chicago Bears cornerback Artie Burns towards ACL. Uh, Chiefs cornerback Bashad Breeland suspended four games under the substance abuse penalty. Well, it's a shame for Artie Burns because he was trying to get 
a fresh start there in Chicago after kind of having a disappointing stint as a Steelers first round pick. Now he's going to really have to fight his way back in his career. And Breland is a guy that played pretty well for the Chiefs last year. So losing him for four games, that hurts. Tucks takes. Tennessee Titans signed cornerback Trevor Simeon after cutting their seventh round pick in this past draft. That would be Cole McDonald, who, by the way, was on with Andrew Brandt back in April. Right. And we got to ask Andrew what happened there because that's rare. I mean, three days into padded practices, they cut a draft pick. So one of two things happened here. He is either awful throwing the ball like to the point where they couldn't run practice or maybe he just wasn't picking up the offense or was an issue, a culture issue, but this is rare. But they basically decided we can't run our offense with this guy. Like we need to bring in a veteran like Simeon. What a bad, bad look for Cole McDonald. Bad look. I I watched him play. You know, I, I did the Hawaii Army game last year. He's got Really impressive physical tools. I don't know what happened there. Tucks takes. All right, last bit of news for the day and for the week. Chiefs ban headdresses and American Indian-themed face paint and are discussing the chop after conversations with Native American leaders. I don't really know what to say about that. Seems reasonable. They're talking with Native American leaders. Evidently, they don't like, uh, they asked to not have the headdresses or the face paint, okay. They're talking about the chop, okay. I mean, that's the conclusion that they've evidently come to based on those conversations, and I'm fine with it. That's if that's if that's what they took away from their conversations with leaders of that community, then I'm fine with it. Let's get to an email question, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address is ross at rostucker.com. Absolutely love this part of it. And by the way, either the Tux takes that Brian and I just did or ask Ross, you would come on the show, people would see you on our YouTube channel, and you would ask me the question, that you want to ask me, or you can read somebody else's question. I don't know. Well, all you have to ever do is take advantage of a sponsor, and I guarantee we'll get to your question. What do you got, Brian? Hey, Ross. Uh, I'm replying to uh, an email containing a photo of my subscription to FantasyPoints.com using the code FEAST. So if there's still uh, – he wants to be in the best ball draft. Well, that that already happened, but maybe he wants to be in the other draft too. Uh, a question, though um, – Hopefully you can answer this. Growing up during the Phillies 2008 World Series era, I was a big fan of Roy Halladay, and I have his jersey. I also recently came across my uncle's old Jerome Brown jersey that he said I could have. And I have both jerseys hanging in my closet. I have not worn either one of them. My question for you, is it acceptable for me to wear these jerseys, or should I memorialize them instead? That is from Eric. So, Eric Feldhaik. Um, so, I don't like... I don't know the answer to this, Eric, right? But I love questions like this. I love unique questions. This is an important topic. Other people have probably been in the same situation. I think it's okay to wear the jerseys. And I think it's respectful to wear the jerseys and that you are honoring them 
if you wear the jerseys. You wear the jersey to an Eagles game or to a Phillies game, it shows your appreciation for those men, what they did. And to me, it's sort of like paying respects. You're, you're paying respect and showing appreciation by wearing their jerseys. I think it's totally fine. I really do. Now, if you want to just frame them and put them up somewhere, that's cool too. But I think wearing those jerseys, totally fine. I have no problem with it. If I'm totally wrong about this and someone knows that, let me know. But that's my thoughts. Um, we actually have three shout-outs today, by the way, Brian. We have not only our typical Pizza Boy Brewing and DynastyFreaks.com, but also our last sponsor confirmation email winner, maybe a couple weeks ago, Blaze De Natale Jewelers. They didn't want a signed picture. They didn't want, they just wanted a shout out for their business. So Blaze De Natale Jewelers in Forked River, New Jersey. I've actually been there. My buddy John Ravache, college roommate. By the way, going to have another college roommate, Kyle Brandt, on Monday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It will be epic, I promise. When you talk with your college roommate, it is epic. There's no way around it. Uh, but my other college roommate, John Ravache, who actually signed with the Browns, got cut, played in NFL Europe. He uh, had a house in Forked River, so I'm familiar. They've been in business 112 years. Wow. On the Jersey Shore, check out the Peaceful Sea Creations, his fiance's custom homemade jewelry line featuring sea glass and stone wire wrapping. You can find them on Facebook, Blaze de Natale Jewelers or Peaceful Sea Creations. Very, very cool, Blaze. Uh, love it. Wow, 112 years. That is awesome. That will also do it for a nice week here at the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. Please check out, if you haven't, both Fantasy Feast podcasts. I thought Football Injury Doc was very helpful in terms of all the injury guys for fantasy football yesterday. Check that out. We'll be back on Monday with my guy, Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football. That promises to be an absolute blast. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Rock Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.